Hey, Faftai Leatua Manuia. Greetings. Thanks be to God, and great to have you folks listening to uh, the Alofa Movement. My name is Leatawa Dr. John Peterson, and I'm pleased to be back here with you all today on this uh, bright and sunny and warm Monday in Minneapolis. The weather's been warming up, and I know that makes my wife Michael happy because she's been concerned that we aren't really having a true summer here in Minnesota. So, well, today I have a very special guest. Uh, her name is the Honorable Bukola Oriola, and I want to just give a shout out to uh, Dr. Artika Tyner uh, with the uh, University of St. Thomas and also with Planting People, Growing Justice, which is, I believe, Dr. Tyner's nonprofit organization. Uh, Artika was good enough to uh, e-introduce uh, Bukola and myself, and uh, this is our second time getting together. We had coffee or tea uh, the first time, and just wanted to see if she was interested in coming on board, so I want to welcome you. Good morning, sir. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thanks for being here on the Alofa Movement. Uh, for those of you that haven't listened, the Alofa Movement is a, is a podcast series about life, love, and leadership. And this is the third edition or third episode in the series. We had a little bit of a break um, with the holidays, and so we're back at it and hope to be doing at least one podcast every couple weeks. So, But other than that, if you uh, are interested in learning more about the podcast, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Leotawa and Wanda Twin. You can also find us on Apple Podcast under the heading of the Alofa Movement. So today I'd like to start off by just asking you, Bukola, a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Thank you so much. Um, like my name is Bukola Oriola, and I'm originally from Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, and I went to school in Lagos and also in Ibadan. Ibadan is in Oyo State, in Nigeria. I had my secondary education and tertiary education in Ibadan. And uh, I practiced journalism for six years because my, here it's called associate degree, is in mass communication. So I practiced journalism covering education and sometimes I covered other topics, but my main beat was education. For six years before I came to the United States. I came to the United States in 2005 during the United Nations 60th anniversary and General Assembly in New York. And uh, after that, I came to Minnesota. And Minnesota has been, you know, a long journey because it happened that my trip to Minnesota made me a victim of human trafficking and domestic violence but luckily I got help after two years through a public health nurse. After getting help and moving on with my life I decided to put my face to my story. So the first step was that I did a book called Imprisoned the Travels of a Traffic Victim 10 years ago. In fact I'm doing the 10 year anniversary right now and I already did two events, which I turned into like an author's fair. So I made it into a platform for other authors to feature their books. 
and we had the second one last weekend actually and it was at Northam Mall and we featured about 31 titles at that event and you know after my book the next thing I did was I started a TV show at Public Access you started a TV show after yes. the book? <laughs> yes. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Public Access um, Channel 14, not Metro TV in Blaine. I started, it was also called Imprisoned. It has a website, imprisonshow.com. And after that, I began to get calls from other people in the community, people who knew me were referring other people to me who needed help. And I realized that the more I was getting calls, I needed to take it a step further. So I launched a non-profit organization called the Anyton Story. Anyton is pronounced A-N-Y-T-O-N, but it's written as E-N-I-T-A-N. And it means someone with a story. The reason is because I want victims and survivors to know that we work from survivor perspective and we've worked in their shoes and understand what they're going through. Even though you may have two survivors with the same story, there will only be some differences. It's always similar. The trauma is the same. The pain is the same. The agony is the same. And they're all looking for the same thing, freedom. And also in that, the world is full of judgments. Even when people tell you, oh, I'm not judging, they, they judge even in some of the things they say. So we're very conscious of this to help survivors know that you know, we're not judging because we walk the path also. And you're going to be here to get the help and services you need. So with the Anytime story, what we do is to fill the gaps in the system. So gaps in terms of what is already available that is being provided. But in those services available, there are loopholes. And those loopholes are very, very important. It's not enough to have, for example, a shelter. To have, let's say, better women or victims of human trafficking. It's very important to know how to provide the unique needs of every individual that pass through that system. Especially in a country like the United States, where it's rich in culture, people of different backgrounds, people of different tribes are all here living in the United States. And all these people are experiencing trafficking or domestic violence or sexual assault or whatever violence it is. And when we are providing services to them, we do one straight jacket for everybody. It doesn't work that way. Even when we go to you know, to the store, let's say you want to get apples. There are different kinds of apples. Here I learned about crab apples. I didn't know they were edible. I was like, what does this? And someone said, oh, it's called crab apples. Like, what is crab apples? 
So, you know, uh, when we know there are differences like that, we should know that even in human beings, there are differences. And when we're providing services, we should pull that into consideration to really meet the need of that specific survival. Because everybody also heal at different levels and different rates. Somebody can come across like, oh, so slow to catch on. Another person might look like, oh, this person is quick to turn into a life around. We shouldn't focus on the one who is able to turn our life around quickly and abandon the other one. Mm -hmm. You know, we should try to meet the unique needs of each person. And that's why we started the Anito story. And uh, with the Anito story, currently, we have OVC grant. OVC is the Office for Victims of Crime. And it came through the Minnesota Department of Health. And the idea is to help identify labor traffic youth in Minnesota. Youth meaning y youth. Uh, student, uh, young people of a certain age? Yes, so ages 24 and under. Okay. And it's called the Safe Harbor Expansion. In Minnesota right now, there is what they call the Safe Harbor. In fact, the legislature has just approved additional funding for Safe Harbor. Unfortunately, they only cover sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Mm -hmm. They don't cover labor trafficking. And that is why the funding we got, even though it came through MDH, it's a federal grant. It's not a grant for Minnesota because the state of Minnesota spends zero on labor trafficking. Okay. And this is something the state needs to know also that labor trafficking is not an illegal immigrant issue. Labor trafficking is an issue that affects citizens of Minnesota. There are children who are out there who are not going to school because they may be sitting somebody's child at home. So even teachers or school staff, they have a unique role to play to help identify labor traffic youth in Minnesota. Where old, you know, they might be recording it as drowsy. But that child, if you are recording trouncing, there may be more going on with that child and why the child is not in school that needs to be investigated to know, oh, this child might actually be going through an experience that is against the law. So um, it's not just immigrant or illegal immigrant issue, but an issue that affects everybody. And for me, I want to add that it's also important to take care of everybody. I think one thing that leads to more challenges for us when we're providing services or even giving funding is that we, we say we are diverse, yet we use disparity. Disparity. Yes, to provide services. Why should we be discriminating against certain group? Or why should we be discriminating against such an age group and say, oh, this fund is only for this age. What about the rest of the people who are experiencing the same thing? So it's really important to think about everybody, not just some people. And then also we, because identifying the labor traffic youth has been a kind of challenge. We are finding that, at least from my own um 
experience in working and relating with different agencies across Minnesota and I've worked with hundreds of them already mm -hmm. in the past one and a half years. And what I'm finding out is that they are seeing labor traffic youth, but they didn't know that is what was going on. Mm. So do you just pass through them maybe for something else? They might be coming for you know food, they might be coming for shelter, for homeless youth, but those youth also are experiencing labor trafficking without them knowing. And some of the youth who are experiencing sex trafficking are also experiencing labor trafficking. And because people don't know what to look for or what kind of questions to ask to be able to uncover, then those youth pass through the system without knowing. So that's one of the things that we are currently finding out as we're trying to serve the youth population. So one of the things we did was that we took a step further and we applied for another grant, a small grant through the Headwaters Foundation. Through Headwaters Foundation? Yeah, okay. yeah. so that grant is to train, is a collaborative uh, partnership kind of grant where it's not owned by one person, it's kind of we all own it together and it's an innovative community grant to train healthcare providers on how to recognize labor trafficking when people come through the hospital because more than likely a victim, either it's a young victim or an older person, will pass through the healthcare system during their victimization experience. So how can these healthcare professionals recognize it when someone comes in for headache or someone comes in for wound or somebody comes in for something really, really different than that? How do they know that, oh, this person might also be a victim of trafficking and refer the person to community resources? So we're currently working on that with a non-profit. And then, Mukola um, wears many hats. <laughs> so I also wear hats in terms of the for-profit because actually the for-profit was part of how I was able to survive as a survivor. It's one thing to be through, a survivor. Through your, small, through your business? Yes. Was how, was, I think I heard you say through your business, your for-profit business was one way you were able to survive? Yes, as a survivor. Because most of the time, survivors struggle. It's not easy when you've gone through a traumatic experience. Now, it's like you are trying to relearn. You are trying to find your way again. Excuse me, for me, I felt like uh, I was caught short at the peak of my career as a journalist. Mm. And then I have to pick myself up from the ground. So what do I do? How do I go about it? And luckily for me, I was encouraged to, because my trafficker started a business and I was encouraged from the shelter by advocate to change it to my name. And I, I changed that business to my name with the Secretary of State. So I began to run that business as my business. And for nine years, that business was what was sustaining me with a child. And, you know, that is something that I learned from. That for survivors also, 
if you can't get a traditional job you can create one for yourself and make income and live comfortably and take care of your kids because for some survivors they're not able to get jobs they're not able to get traditional jobs or when they get job they're not able to hold the job mm -hmm. because sometimes unexpectedly you will have triggers and in the United States no show no call means your job is done mm -hmm. okay no show no call but they didn't know that this person might be experiencing some triggers that is making the person not to be able to get up today from bed to even function. But mm -hmm. if you are running your own business, if you are not able to get up today to function, you can relax and still know you have your job. Nobody is taking that job from you. It's just that that day, yeah, you may not make money, but you, you still have a job. And with the online world right now, you can be sleeping and making money. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not able to get up from bed, you might still be able to make money without getting up from the bed because of the work you already did mm -hmm. and because it is yours, the money is coming to you. So that is one way that I am also empowering survivors of trafficking uh, and domestic violence and also sexual assault or sexual violence. And with the for-profit, one of the things I did too was, you know, putting my journalism skills to work. So I did the Facebook, the Facebook in prison. Then after that, I even did a book on hair braiding. I did other books, motivational books, self-help books. And I've done another memoir that talks about me now and what I do, which is called A Living Label. So what is it called? A Living Label. And that's your memoir? Yes. That's cool. Thank you. So that, uh, with that, I also help others tell their stories in book form. So if you have a story you want to share or you have the idea that you want to publish a book, you know, for me, if I see you just scribble 10 things, those 10 things, I can help you turn it into a book. There was a girl who came to the U.S. with her mom and two siblings. She was very young at that time. They came, they came from war. And this girl has been saying, I want to do my book, I want to do my book. And it seemed like she didn't know how to go about it. And I said, hey, you know what? Just give me 10 quotes. And she did. And boom, we did a book from just 10 quotes. You did a book from 10 quotes? Yes. That's amazing. The, the book is called Quotes, All in My Head. Cool. And that book... Who's the, and the, who's the author you work her with? Her name is um, Simon Shadhan, and the book is on Amazon. Oh, you know, cool. when she, she did that book and the proof copy came, she was so excited. Yeah. She was, <laughs> and then when she made the first sale, in fact, she made the first sale before the final copy came. Because somebody saw the proof and said, I would like to have a copy. And she said, it's not, it's not available yet. I said, yes, it's coming. Pre-order. And the person paid. And waited till the book was ready to get a copy. So that's the beauty of publishing now and independent publishing, where it gives everybody a playing field 
to tear their stories in book form. And I'm helping other people to do that in a very simple and easy way. And I've helped other authors and that is part of why I'm also promoting authors. So when I go out for any book event, I bring books of other authors with me even if they're not there in person. I was at the mental health summit last week, Thursday and Friday, and I sold books. Some of them were not my books. Mm -hmm. You know, and just that day, two day event, I sold 39 books. And that's one thing I want to keep showing people, even kids, because my own son published his first book at age 11 last year. Oh, that's and, incredible. And the book was <clears throat> about his artwork from home and school. And it's called Samspiration. His name is Sam, and we said, oh, Sam and Inspiration. So Samspiration. And it comprises of the very colorful artwork that he drew himself. And so a, a poem was in it that he wrote himself. And also a life experience that, mm -hmm. that happened to him that he talked about in the book. And then we took it further by doing a coloring book. And in fact, Dr. Taina was the one who said, you know, this is really nice. You should think about doing coloring book. And then we made a coloring book, Transpiration coloring book. And I had those who were adults who said they want the book, but they want it not in cartoon form. So they want it in the original artwork form. So we have Transpiration standard edition coming soon. That's awesome. For the adult books. That's, that's fantastic. So you covered a wide range of topics, and I'm just so impressed <laughs> by everything that you've done and that you've experienced. One of the questions that I have for you is, uh, if I'm a listener to this podcast, and I'm thinking, wow, Nicola's done so much out of the experience of trauma that she had all those years ago, um, I just don't feel like I can get, I'm thinking as a listener now, like, what, what can I do to get out of my situation right now today? Like, what would be some practical steps that a person could take or that maybe a friend of a listener could take in order to be able to get to that place where they're free to live their life and be able to express who they are and do all these great things that you've been talking about? What would be a couple of steps that they could take? Okay, thank you so much. Depending on where you are, so let's go to the beginning. Let's assume that you are still a victim and you are still in the exploitation experience. The first step to take is to contact us. If you are in, well, we work with people from outside of Minnesota too. Our phone number for our organization is 763-273-6624. You can call that number. Can you say it again, please, just seven a second six, time? 763-273-6624. Or you can reach out to us online at anyton.org. Anyton is spelled E-N-I-T-A-N dot O-R-G. And we will be glad to, you know, help you to get help. Otherwise, you can also call the National Human Trafficking Number, which is 
1-888-373-7888. So for someone who is still a victim and needs to recharge for help, if you already got help and you are stuck about how to move on with your life, mm -hmm. what to do with your life, I always say, go to therapy if you are not in therapy. Mm -hmm. I went to therapy and trust me, for me, coming from my country, you know, going to therapy means you are really crazy. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was told, no, you know, just come, just come and talk. And I went to therapy for two years and it helped me. Even I went back again to therapy about three years ago or so, four years ago. So go to therapy to help you because when you are talking to a therapy, the therapy is not looking at you with judgment. And I've had some people who said therapy didn't work for them. If this particular therapist is not working for you, change that therapist. You're not stuck to one therapist. You can always change your therapist. You can even change the clinic completely. Mm -hmm. But go to therapy. And if you think because you don't have insurance, there are some clinics that do sliding fee scale, meaning they go by your income. So if you don't have enough income, they won't charge you. You will access services for free and you will still be able to get help. And the reason I said go to therapy is because therapy will help you to cope and help you to know how to let out your trauma in a way that it helps you instead of keeping you down. Mm -hmm. And it kind, of, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is that it helps therapy helps you to take control of your own story, yes, rather than your story taking control of you, yes, and bringing you down, yes. And after that, you want to move on with your life, you don't know what to do, write a book. I always say, you know, as I started, I didn't know this until I started going out to places to the point where they invited me to present to a couple of therapists and psychologists. It was during that presentation I found out that, oh, you know, art is therapeutic. There is a form of therapy that is art. So writing a book is an art because book writing is creative art. It's another way that you are letting out. And don't worry if you are writing and you become overwhelmed or you start crying, know when to stop. That was what I did. When I wrote my first book in prison, and I have people who said, wow, the book was so raw. Yes, because the memories were still very fresh mm -hmm. when I wrote the book. Sometimes, I will be writing on the computer and the next thing is that I can't see the computer anymore because my eyes are blurred from crying. I will just realize oh, I've been crying so much. And crying helps us too. It's just that too much of it is not good, but crying mm -hmm. does help us. And what I do then was that whenever I've realized that I've been crying and I can't see that is when I know I've been crying, when I can't see the computer screen anymore, then I save and stop and leave it. So the first three or two chapters took me three months. Okay. 
because of that. So also learn to withdraw. You know, they talk about fight or flight. You know, in this case, I would say is, you know, move backwards. Mm -hmm. Don't fight it. This is not the time to, we also have to be calculating when we're trying to fight, to know when you need to launch or when you need to retrieve. So in that case, just leave it for that moment and go. And sometimes you may, because some people might say, oh, I don't want to share my story. I have someone who did a book. I helped her do a book, My Sewing World, How Sewing Helped Her Out of Depression. She said, you know, I don't want to tell my story, like for people to know the whole story. Excuse me, but I want to still say something. And then she thought about, oh, you know, she was going to therapy. How therapy was what helped her to identify what she could use to get out of depression. And it was sewing. It was so what? Sewing. 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 Sewing clothes. And she started sewing. And that was what her book sings, My Sewing World by Ajibike Ojomo. And the book, in which cool. she said, you know, uh, this is how this helped me without necessarily going into the gory details mm -hmm. of what happened to her. So that is another way that you can start moving forward and putting your life together. And it sounded me, like in that example you just gave that sewing was a was both an activity and a metaphor for how she worked through the pain and yes. the trauma of the experience that she went through. Yes. And once you start doing that, the, the thing is that you your self-esteem, because for me, even though I was a journalist before I had my experience, my self-esteem was minus zero. But my book was part of what helped me to build my self-esteem back. Because when you do a book, you will find that, oh, people will be like, wow, this is really nice. And it will speak to someone. We all have something in common, every one of us. And you will realize that there is someone who has something in common with you or who has a family member or a friend. So, for example, the Jimmy Kai's book, I had someone who bought the book. He didn't buy it for himself. He said, I want this book for my daughter. Mm. You know? So... There will be someone that needs that. So go ahead, do the book. It doesn't have to be a big book. I always say, focus on value versus volume. There is no point in writing a 300-page book that makes no sense. <laughs> I bought a book some time ago, I think last year. And I'm I like, think I have a. I think I might have a couple on these shelves. <laughs> They're mostly good books, but there are some long ones there that I'm like, oh, what is that book even about? Yes. So like this man kept saying, oh, and I will tell you the solution, or I will tell you what to do. I'm like, how long is it going to take to tell me what to do? Stop dancing around the place, and I didn't finish the book. I just I got frustrated. Right. Meanwhile, you could. I said even that book. Maybe he's trying to get his mileage on the book. There is a way you can get mileage on your book if you want to get mileage. Make it into short, short books. Instead of trying to put, you know, 
unrelated story in one book, you can make three books out of that. Sure. That will bring you three forms of revenue. And you even make more money with those three books instead of one book that don't make sense. So make it short and straight to the point where it we speak to someone, not where they pick the book and they're so frustrated mm-hmm. about picking up that book. If it ministers to someone, don't worry. You will keep having sales. I learned from this guy who wrote the book, Ask. I don't remember his name now. He did another title recently or last year. But anyhow, he was saying when I was reading that book, Ask, he talked about buying a book and it was that book that made him to now write the book, Ask. It's like, that one was kind of getting less you into it, and he now went and did like a whole development of stuff. He said that book he bought was a 17-page PDF. Mm. Yes, and he said, you know, it was $30. And he thought, 17-page PDF for $30? What? Then he thought, well, I've gone to some $3,000 conference and workshop sure. that I get nothing from. Sure. So losing thirty dollars is not as bad as three thousand sure. dollars. <laughs> so he, he bought it, and he said he was so happy he bought it. It was the best book he ever bought. And Seventeen that was, page PDF. Yes, and that was what gave birth to ask that he had sold millions. Yeah. Now. That's fantastic. That's a great, a great way to frame and describe the importance of one taking action, um, which is easy for some of us to say who have not lived through the experience of human trafficking, but to take a hold of your destiny and make the phone call or phone calls. You gave the numbers a little bit ago that people can call both the number for your organization. What's the name of your organization again? The Anyton Story. The Anyton Story. So if you're listening to this out there, for those of you that are listening to this out there, if you know someone that's been affected or if you have been affected um, or in a current situation involving human trafficking, uh, please feel free to contact Danny's story and uh, the number that Bukola uh, gave earlier. But then also the second step I heard you say was the importance of reaching out and going to therapy and knowing that Therapy is a good place to talk about your experiences and uh, talk with people who are professionals. Um, you mentioned that there, um, if you, you know, there are different cost price options. You know, some there are places here in the Twin Cities that will um, uh, allow you to do the therapy on a sliding fee scale if you don't have insurance. And so, don't let income or lack thereof be a barrier. You also mentioned the importance of if you don't like a particular therapeutic setting or therapist, you can go and try a different one too. So there's options with that. And then the last piece I really liked was the the part about talking about writing a book or writing books or multiple books, you know. So those are really great practical strategies for folks. We're at the about, I think we're at about the 30, 40 minute mark here. Um, I'm just wondering if you could give us some closing uh, wisdom or um, remarks that could be inspiring to people who are listening out there and who may be struggling um, with a, a situation that involves 
know, sexual violence or, or sex trafficking or any sort of tough situation that people are in. Do you have any wisdom that you can share with us before we say goodbye? Yes, thank you, sir. I want to say, first of all, that everyone listening, you are unique. You are beautiful. You are the best that could be created. And you have a lot of value in you to offer the world. You are not a useless human being. You are not a drug addict. You are not a bad child or a disabled person. Instead, you are very able and you have power in you to do what you really want to do. If people have been telling you, oh, you can't do that, don't worry. You know what? Even the celebrities, like Jennifer Lopez said one time, oh, do you know how many people tell me, even right now as a celebrity, you people look at me as a celebrity, people say to me, oh, you can't do that, you're crazy, no, no, you can't do that, and she goes ahead and do it anyway. So I want to encourage you to, that you can do it. Whatever you put your mind to do, you can do. If someone says no to you, I learned myself to take no positively. Of course, as a human being, you will feel hot sometimes when someone says no to you, when you're expecting yes. Let that only stay for a moment and just throw it in the garbage and move on to the next person or the next place. Don't give up because someone says no. Don't give up because someone says you can't do that. Don't give up because someone says you are stupid. Know within you that you are not stupid. And keep moving. Find someone that will encourage you. Stay around people that will elevate you. People that will keep pushing you and make you be the best that you can. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to have you here today, Bukola. You've been listening to the Alofa Movement podcast series. This is the third episode in the series. And what a pleasure and honor it is to have the Honorable Bukola Oriola with us today. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for having me, sir. You're welcome. Have a blessed day out there, uh, folks, and uh, tune in to the next episode. Hopefully we'll get it out here in the next week or two. Bless up and thank you. <laughs>